0: My name is Aaron Wardle, as Dan said, we are in a prayer series, Wayfinder, uh, prayer as our guide, and I get the opportunity today to speak on something that's an absolute passion, and it's a passion because, for me because it's a necessity. It isn't one of those things that I say, I am really strong at this, and so let me espouse wisdom to you, I am really weak at this, and this is something the Lord has been showing me for the last 25 years, and that is prayers of discernment. And discernment has a lot of different definitions, but what we're going to talk about today is discernment is a prayer-filled process of discovering God's will and direction in our lives. Discernment is the prayer-filled process of discovering God's will and direction in our lives. And when this shows up the most are in times of transition or in times of making big decisions. I don't know about you, But the greatest spiritual growth in my life has come when I am faced with making big decisions. Anybody else like that? Anybody else in that place to say, when I am faced with decisions that impact my future or have implications for my family that are going to shape me and others, when I'm faced with those, you know what? It brings out our deepest desires, but it also can bring out our greatest fears. And for me, one of the things that happens is, when I am faced with a big decision 24 years ago, do I marry this woman? My wife, Destry, we've been married for 24 years. When I'm faced with a big decision, do we move our family from Ohio to California? Do I move our family from California to Colorado? Do we move to this place? Do we do these things? When I'm faced with that, I recognize this need for God. To be able to hear his voice, to be able to feel his presence, to be able to know his will. Because I don't know about you, but one of the things, when it's big life decisions and my future's on the line, a pros and cons sheet does not cut it. Because I find cons in my pros and pros in my cons. And before long, I'm just looking at this thing going, I am no further in making this decision than I was before. Before. If it's just following my bliss, I don't want that. If it is just a checklist or upward mobility, I want more when facing a big decision than just saying, well, it's not as bad as that one. But when we're making decisions, being able to have this intentional process in which we're positioning ourselves in such a way that we're able to hear the voice of the Lord, to feel his presence, to know his will. And so I've over these years, Literally 25 years. This message I have given a ton of times, and every time it changes because it's a fluid process of being able to step and position myself to hear the Lord and where I am to go. And so, what I'd like to share with you for the remainder of our time is like to share with you some of the things the Lord has shown me through Scripture and through the life of the saints and how i've been able to and how we've been able to position ourselves in such a way to be able to have clarity for the journey and communion with god does that make sense anybody here today facing a big decision you can raise your hand anybody here feel like they're in a position of you know what there's change that's coming What I want to do is, this message is for us. (laughs) If you're not in that place, put this in your back pocket, because guess what? You'll be there sometime soon. But what I want to do is, I pray right now, and will you pray with me? Lord, I love that you do not hide your will, but there are some times we can't necessarily see it. And Lord, I pray in this time that through these simple things that you've been showing me through scripture and through the lives of the saints, that you will begin to give us ways in which we position ourselves to hear, to feel, to know your will. Lord, may we not just satisfy, be satisfied with more pros than cons, but may we not stop seeking you until we know this is where you're leading. This is what you're wanting. Lord, I pray for my friends that you open their ears, their minds, their hearts, and that you will lead. I offer this to you, Lord. Here's my alabaster jar. Shatter it. May it be a sweet fragrance to you. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. The first thing we see in our prayers of discernment is the prayers of discernment are more than just requests to God. It's more than just listening, but it's also action. And our action is actually a prayer. And the first part of our process, the first practice that we have in prayers of discernment is something that I call active waiting. It's not my favorite. That's why I make it first. Let's get it out of the way. Active waiting, doing the things we need to do while we're waiting for the answers that we need to have, doing what we can while we're waiting for what we need. Oftentimes, when we are faced with a big decision, we go into our primal mode in our our neurobiology, and we go into three different things. We go into fight, flight, or freeze. The fight in us, when we are faced with a big decision, some people just say, I'm going to charge this head on and I'm going to make something happen and I'm going to figure this out right here, right now. For some of us in the room, they say, yes, that's me. I do not want to linger on this. I do not want to lollygag. We're just going to face this right on. The problem is sometimes we run ahead and we miss what God's doing. So the first thing is we fight I'm going to make this happen. The next step oftentimes is that we flee, fight or flight. We run away from it. I am going to avoid this decision for as long as possible, and I'm going to say I'm waiting on an answer. What you're really doing is ignoring the inevitable. Anybody ever get there of blame God? I'm just waiting. Actually, you're ignoring and then for some other people, you're in this place that the reaction to a big decision is you freeze. You come absolutely immobilized. I can't do anything. I can't even fight. I can't even flee. I just freeze. But what I want to offer for us is that when we're faced with these big decisions, when there are two good options, when there are seasons of transition that are coming, coming to us, that we say, I know something new is on the horizon because something has ended, or something is offered, one of the things we do is we step into active waiting. Isaiah 26, eight. It says, yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desires of our hearts. I love this passage, because you have this juxtaposition of walking. Walking in his ways as you're waiting for him. It's active waiting. Do the things you can While you're waiting for the answer you need. Well, what does this look like, Aaron? I would love to tell you. If you need a job, go to an interview. If you want to get married, go on a date. If you're not sure which college to go to, fill out the application. It sounds simple, doesn't it? My girls, uh, Grace, she's at Grand Canyon University, Addison, graduated early, and she's looking at colleges. And one of the things that they're just grappling with when they were looking at schools is, where should we go? And luckily, I've had this process for a while. Of going, let's actively wait. What's that mean? Let's do what we can while we're waiting for the direction we need. Apply to the school. Rarely does the president of a university... Find the phone number of a student at Niwat High School and say, I just want you to please come to my college. You've got to take an initiative to begin to put yourself out there to say, okay, here's one of the things I need to do. I'm going to apply to this college. If I am accepted, now we have the act of waiting to see, Lord, you're on the end of the accepting. I get to do what I can do. The beautiful part of this is, is it wars against that fight because you're not charging too far ahead. You're just saying, you know what? I'm just making one step. It gives us something to do instead of fleeing, and it really breaks us out of that freeze, I, yeah i 'll share this through, but whenever I was in this, I went to a small Christian college in the '90s, which there were some really interesting theology and practices that was going on then, and uh, one of the things was like kissing dating goodbye and for those of you that remember that, and so like dating someone was a really big deal because you felt like you were going against God at the time because you weren 't supposed to be dating, and i don 't know you can be where you 're at, but I remember my wife and I had been hanging out as friends and it got to this point where you have the DTR, the define the relationship. Maybe a little bit of making out, but let's not talk about that. And you're trying to figure out where are we going with this, with this relationship. And I remember just praying and praying, Lord, am I to marry her? Lord, is this what's going to happen? And it was so funny because it was like, why don't you guys just start dating? Why don't you take that first step instead of having to know everything and there is this piece of it's kind of humorous, but how many of you, how many of us, we want the certainty of God's command before we take a step in obedience of moving forward. And so the prayer is a discernment do this. Actively wait. You're in a season of where there's transition. You're in a season of wondering what's next. Begin to do what you can while you're waiting for the answer you need. Let's put up that prayer of active waiting. Each one of these will be on, you can text in to the number that they'll put up there, and if you text in discernment, you'll be able to get each one of these prayers. The prayer for active waiting. Lord, give me the strength to do the things I need to do while I'm waiting for the answers I need to hear. May I not let go nor hold on, but be faithful to move and step with you. Grant me equal measures of patience and perseverance as I trust you. We move from that place. Got a few more. After active waiting, we're faced with big decisions. We're faced with transitions. One of the things that we need to do is we need to get in the Word. By that, I mean read your Bible. We need to get into the Word of God. Right after Destry and I got married, we were going over to one of the directors uh, who was in the department we were in, working at, at Simpson University, Steve Reeveson, who's since gone on to be with the Lord. And we were having dinner, and one of the things he said is, for your wedding present, I want to give you the most important advice and so as a newly married man, I said, okay, what is it? He said, back up every decision you make with scripture. Back up all your decisions with scripture. I was like, thanks, Steve. He's like, no, serious, you don't understand. Back up the big decisions that you make in life with scripture. Be guided and grounded by the word of God. Because when it gets tough, and oh, my young friend, it will get tough you'll be able to stand on that, not just your feelings or your thoughts, but you'll be able to reach back to the text and you'll be able to hold on to this to say, the Lord allowed the context of scripture to speak to the context of my life and I will stand on that. When we were uh, moving 10 years ago, been at Cornerstone 10 years, I can't believe that, and we were in the decision process of, of moving from Redding, California, and we could see that just that season was ending, and we had the opportunity to have conversations with Brian and Gene, and I said, I, I really don't want to go to your weird church, and, uh, and, and they said, well, you're weird as well, so we think you'd fit in wonderfully. It's a match made in heaven. And so I was wrestling with the decision and in this place, and one of the things that I I had actively weighed, I was in the word, I was in that stage of discerning. Okay, what are we to do? My wife was like, yes, we're moving to Colorado. Yes, her family's been here. She's been trying to get us to move to Colorado for our entire marriage. And so I was like, babe, I just want to let you know, I think your discernment may be a little biased. And so one night... Destry was out, and I was putting the girls to sleep, and, and Grace was like, I don't know, eight, nine years old. She's now 20, um, and she doesn't want to go to sleep, and so when you're a pastor's kid, what you do is you want to have devotions at night, and so Grace put out like a Bible and had worship music on. She's like, Dad, I think we should have devotions tonight. I was like, I know what you're doing. You're just stalling from going to bed because I was a pastor's kid too, and that's what I did. And I'd have my little, like, Hosanna Integrity Praise tape that I put on. And then I'd have a Bible. And my parents and I would, would, would I'd make them stay up. And Grace was like, no, Dad. We just need to soak in the presence of the Lord. I was like, all right, Grace, I guess we do. And she lays open a Bible. And I go and sit down. And I'm like, thank you, Grace. And she's like, this is the passage. And, she, and I begin to read. And we had been in a time, and part of the decision to leave Reading is they had just gotten to the place in our job, and the church was declining, and the provision was not there. We were financially taking on water. They were having to let go of staff, and we were just in a place where, like, we cannot sustain this pace much longer. Lord, we got to have you do something. And then grace leads me to... Psalm 107.4. Some wandered in the desert wasteland, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And he led them by a straight way to a city where they could dwell. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. And as I read this I was like son of a gun lord you use holy spirit scripture and grace got me. Because in that you may not hear it but what I heard in that is someone who was desperate someone who needed to be led to a new place and someone who needed a family who needed to find a place that they could settle. We had moved like 6 times It was six years, six moves, and there was no settling, and the Lord's saying, it's time. I'm leading you to a place you can settle, and so whenever we got to Cornerstone, and we could tell stories about that, because I got to Cornerstone and had the toughest year of my ministry life. There was the thousand-year flood. There was conflicts. There was all of these things, and so when I got here, it wasn't just like, Oh, this is amazing In utopia. There were so many times when we were here, I reached back into Psalm 107 and go, did I read wrong? Let me make sure. And the Lord was so kind. Because in that first year, he was breaking up soil in my life, breaking up soil in Cornerstone's life for new growth and new things. But if I didn't have those scriptures to say, this is where you're to go and this is what you're doing, it would have spun me over and over and over again. But I had to go on and with both hands cling to his word to say, you know what? I know that he spoke through this. And I know that in the act of waiting he did this. One of the things you see in act of waiting is when you're doing the things you can while you're waiting for the answer you need, one of the things you can do is get in the word. Word. And it isn't just let it drop out of the sky or call my daughter at GCU and see if she could give you a passage. It's actually getting in the word and reading the scriptures. And not a confirmation bias where you're just like, "Oh, that's yep, that's what I want and that's what's going to happen. But being able to search his word so that when we have those decisions that are risky, we have scripture to back them up. Prayer for getting in the word. Lord, guide me through your word that I may be grounded to truth. Holy Spirit, illuminate the holy scriptures that they may be a light upon the path in which you are leading me. As I meditate on your word, may it speak to the circumstances I am in. We move on to the next one. Seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says plans fail for a lack of counsel, but many advisors they succeed. The type of counsel that I'm talking about here is godly insight from people who love God and love us. Godly insight from people who love God and love us enough to tell the truth. Let's go back way back. When Solomon died, Solomon, the wisest man who had ever lived, when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took, oh, popular name for the time, Rehoboam took over for him, and when it was after Rehoboam was, went through the process, he stood before the wise counsel of Solomon and he asked the question, should I back off on the people? My dad ruled them with a heavy hand. And they've been building this palace, and they've been building the temple, and they've been constantly under this hard label for all of my dad's reign. Should I back off and let the people have a break? You know what the counselor said? Absolutely give the people a break. If you relent and give them a break, they will follow you all the days of your life. They will love you. So Rehoboam took that advice. He said, yeah, you may be the wise wise counsel, to the wisest man who's ever lived, but I have better check in with my frat buddies. They went to the University of Jerusalem at the time. And so Rehoboam goes to his friends, imagine they're hanging out, and he goes, hey guys, listen, now that I'm king, and you do all know that I am king, should I back off on the people and give them a break, or should I be more tough? And his friends say, oh you gotta rule, with an iron fist, you got to be so strong that the people will state your dad was back because they say, man, Solomon was a wuss compared to Rehoboam. Rehoboam goes, you know what? That's a great idea. He goes back and does that, and he loses the hearts of the people. Eventually, the kingdom is divided, and he loses it. One of the things that happens in this is there are times in our life when we're faced with huge decisions and we allow the comfort of people around us and what they say and we mistake it for wisdom. That's just placating. That's just their agenda. Solomon ignores individuals that are listening to God, love him, and have experience. For individuals who have no leadership experience, who are self-serving, And all about power. And so as we are facing making decisions, we ask the Lord, Lord, would you lead me to individuals who will give me wisdom, who will be able to speak, who love you, who listen to you, and aren't afraid to tell me things I don't want to hear. I like to have people around me who tell me the things I want to hear. No, Aaron, that was great. That was perfect. I couldn't imagine anyone doing anything better. But what I really need is individuals who have a different perspective and that hear from God and are able to offer truth and are able to offer me something and that happened many times when we were looking and there were seasons where we would take risks and I love taking risks and my wife loves to have stability and there was times when we were going to move from one place to another and we had a job opportunity um, I have been able to hold jobs for long periods of time it sounds like i'm constantly moving on but there was a period of just a lot of, of, of figuring things out. We had this job opportunity and it looked amazing. We were gonna live outside New York City and we we're gonna be on a college campus and they were gonna pay me ridiculously low and we we're gonna live in like college housing. And my wife is like can't you see that we have just gone through a season of risk? And for us to go into another season of risk, it's just not wise. And as I talk to other individuals in my life who love me and love them and says, you may be looking at what could be, but the reality is you guys don't have what it takes right now to step into another season of risk. You have small children, you're financially not set, and also you need to be able to just step into something that's more stable. That was amazing wise counsel, and it was not what I wanted to hear, but it was what the Lord was doing. And so, with these prayers of discernment, the first thing we see is the act of waiting. We get in the word. We seek wise counsel. The prayer for wise counsel is, Lord, open my ears, my eyes, my mind, and my heart to wisdom. Please lead me to trusted people who can offer godly counsel that echoes your will. Prepare them in advance for our conversation, and may it bring insight and peace. We don't know, Right? i got a couple more. I promise I will stay focused and be brief on this. But I think this is really important for our lives because we are constantly faced with this. I ask you also to pray. I'm actually going to give this message tonight at middle school. And the reason is ah, I want every generation to know that the Lord will meet you in your decisions. Because that generation, I ask you to pray for that tonight because of how amazing if 11 and 12 and 13-year-olds know that the Lord will speak to them when they're making decisions. End a commercial. Will be praying for me that I could be clear. We move to the next thing. Surrender our will. We see the life of Jesus constantly surrendering. Gene talked about that last week, so I'll be brief. But in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Not my will, but yours be done. I love this because Jesus had an opinion. He said, "Hey, if there's any way we could do this different, and I got a couple ideas, can we do that?" But Jesus says, "Not my will, but yours wills be. Your will be done." In the 1500s, Ignatian of Loyola of Loyola, who uh, became a saint. There's a lot we'll talk about. We've talked about him a little bit before. But he created these practices of discernment and how to make decisions. And it was part of his Ignatian exercises. And one of the things this week that I found, and there's two things that have really grappled with, that have stuck with me, is the practice of indifference. The practice and posture of indifference. And what this is, It means being detached enough from things, people, and experiences to be able either to take them upon or to leave them aside, depending on whether they help us to praise, revere, and to serve. The practice of indifference is not being apathetic. The practice of indifference is not being ambitious, but it's being surrendered to say, Lord, here's my desires. I now want to become indifferent to either which way we go so that I have the freedom to be aware of what you're doing. How many of us absolutely get clouded with what God wants us to do because we have such a strong desire, and he's not confirming it? I don't know why you're not speaking. I don't. And he's going, I've been speaking the whole time but you are so biased in what you want to happen, and I'm not confirming that, that you're ignoring me. Quick illustration, in one of our many moves, (laughs) we were towards the end of the process, and this was gonna be moving across country. We'd gone through the interview. I had gone through all of these things. I felt like I had some scripture it was, I had to make a phone call the next day to this place to say whether we were going to accept the position or not. And Destry and I had a conversation. And I was clouded. I went back and forth. I didn't know which way to go. One day I'm like, thus saith the Lord, we shall moveth. Then the next day I'm like, he saith, stayeth here. And there was always in King James because it felt much, much, much more holy. And Destry said, you are an idiot. <laughs> But I had a conversation with Destry and she said, can I be honest? And I was like, it'd be helpful. <laughs> and she said, I would love to have another year here. This is the first year that Addie's in school and this is the first year since we've had kids that we weren't either in seminary or we had little babies. And I need this year, your family's around and it would be amazing to have another year. And I instantly was furious. And the reason I was furious is my desires were exposed. I so bad wanted to move away from Ashland, Ohio, that I was not paying attention to the road signs that were saying it's not time to go. My desire was, get us to heaven out of here, I'm done. And when she said that, it exposed in me because I knew I was angry and going, oh, My will is not surrendered. I've not surrendered because, and that's the reason I can't make a decision. I keep coming up to the edge, and and I had a a mentor who's like, You just got to pull the trigger on one of these things, make a decision. And I couldn't because I didn't feel, I couldn't tell what the Lord was doing because I was absolutely blinded by my own will and my own desire. We didn't go. And the Lord was so kind to use my wife's innocent desire to expose really my bias. How many of us get to the place in a decision where we want something so bad that we can't see, hear the Lord's direction? And so he invites us to the practice of indifference. And it is simply surrendering our apathy and our ambition so that we may have the freedom to be aware of his will. Prayer for surrendering will. Lord, grant me the strength of detach, to detach from my desires that I may accept yours. May I neither be apathetic nor ambitious, but filled with a holy freedom to follow your direction. Your ways are higher than mine. Not my will, but your will be done. Active waiting, get in the word. Seek wise counsel, surrender will. One more. And yes, it begins with the W. Where what fits. Where what fits. There's this subtle section in the story where David goes and fights Goliath that to me is absolutely amazing. What happens is David goes up He's already been anointed king, which I love that, that he's anointed king, and then he goes up and he's handing out snacks to his brother who are going to war. Like he's got like little lunch bags, little David comes up, like he knows he's been anointed king, the brothers know he's been anointed king, and now he's still got to bring their lunches to him. And so he goes up and gives that lunches to his brothers, and he hears Goliath come out and threaten and, 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 and mock Israel. And he's listening to this, and he says, who is that? What is he doing, that uncircumcised Philistine, mocking the armies of the living God? And his brothers are like, shut your mouth. We're hiding up here. Dad didn't put a cupcake in my lunch. And David says, we got to do something about this. And he finds his way to the king, to King Saul. And he makes such a ruckus that Saul finally goes like, this kid's going to annoy me the entire time. Who is this kid anyways? Well, it's the son of Jesse. And he says, all right, he's going to go out. They're going to let him fight. He's like... Saul sees no other way. Saul doesn't pray, Lord, is this to be your will? He doesn't go through active waiting. Saul didn't get in the word. Saul didn't surrender his will. He didn't use these principles, which is just a shame. But what he does is he says, you know what, David, go ahead. But here's what we're going to do. Saul takes off his tunic, and he takes off his armor, and he puts it on David. Now, one of the things that is known about Saul is Saul is the tallest man in all Israel. And it says in Scripture that David is Rudy, which means He's little. He's cute. Oh, look at that cute little David. So Saul takes off his armor and puts it on David. And David is wearing this, and he's walking around. And he's going, this is going to get me killed. Kind of like when I go hunting with my dad, who's 6'4", and I have none of the clothes to go hunting. And I'm wearing his, tromping through the woods. But David is wearing the armor of Saul, and he's going, "I, this does not fit me. Now in this, why does Saul put it on him? He's afraid. He's afraid. Hopefully this will protect you. The other thing, studying this week, when David goes out there, guess who gets the credit for the bravery when the people look out? That's Saul. Look at Saul, our brave king, going out. And he shrunk, but look at Saul, our brave king, going out there to fight the Philistine. If David wins... Glory, David loses, Saul still gets the credit. David says in the passage after this, he says, I can't go in these because I'm not used to them. They don't fit me. He takes them off, we know what he does. Puts down Saul's sword, grabs his slingshot, five smooth stones, and what happens? Goes and he slays a giant. He wore what fit him. He took off Saul's armor and went out there. Another beautiful thing at the end of the passage, Jonathan, after David, defeats the Goliath, the giant. Jonathan comes running up to him, takes off his robe and his tunic, and puts it on David, and David kept it. Why? It was the robe of a prince who would eventually become king. And what was David? A prince who would eventually become king. So why do I bring this up in our prayer of discernment? Many times, the thing that is, I believe, the thing that is blocking us from hearing, feeling, and knowing the will of God is we are wearing the expectation and fears of others. We are wearing the expectation and the fears of others. We hear a voice in our head, and it's actually not our voice. Well, my dad would think this. My dad wants this. My wife thinks this. My wife would want this. Well, this is best for the kids or this mentor. And what happens is we become so anesthetized to the voice of the Lord because we're listening to the expectations and the fears of so many other people. And what happens oftentimes is we mistake that for wise counsel. And the armor of Saul is not wise counsel. That's his fears and expectation. And so what I want for us today I want you to just put that one in your hand. Because I think oftentimes we thwart the destiny the Lord is calling us into because we're wearing armor that was never ours to wear. And those expectations and those fears are drowning out the beautiful, clear voice of God. And as we enter into discernment, we begin to ask the question, whose expectation When we feel like we're moving, wait a minute, why am I, and it'll come upon you, I'm so confused. Why am I confused? Because what if this happens? And then just simply asking yourself, is that my expectation? Is that my fear? Or does that sound like a voice of someone in my life that I need to slowly say, I can't wear that. I can't wear this. The amount of times I've had this happen in my life is more than a few where individuals come to me, and why don't you become this because you have this type of skill? And realizing, wow, that's Saul's armor. That doesn't fit me. Why don't you begin to step into your authority as this and go, that's Saul's armor. That's not mine. And the Lord has been so kind to give me a spiritual gift of, like, agitation when something is put on me. I go, ah, and I don't want to be rebellious, but to say, that just doesn't fit. It doesn't work. That may have worked for you, but it won't work for me. And so before I go into this, and I'm landing the plane right now so the worship team can come on up. We do the prayer of wear, for wearing what fits. Lord, may I not allow the expectations of others to cloud my vision of what you are doing. May I not mistake their fear for your guidance. May I be aware of what you are speaking through my emotions as I bring them before you in prayer. May I be like David, who knew to refuse the king's armor, but accepted the prince's robe. Hmm. As we close, and you can switch the lights and I'm just gonna, you guys can play because I just want to pray for people. If you're in a place today where you're facing decisions or you feel transition is on the horizon, I just want you to open up your hand. I'm just gonna pray these things over you. Some of us confess that already. First off, my friends, I want to bless you with the truth that God is not trying to trick you. God is not trying to trick you or test you in such a way to say, but I pray in this moment that you will begin to see this as an opportunity, not an obstacle but an opportunity for clarity on your journey, but even more than that, for communion with the living God. That the decision is important, but even more than that, that this may be a time in which you encounter his presence, his power, his truth, and love more than you ever have in the past. And I pray that you have the courage to actively wait, to do the things you can while you're waiting for the answer. That he needs to give. I pray that he will guide you through the Holy Scriptures and the Word will become more alive, and that this is just a season of vibrancy in your life in Scripture, and that you see how he is speaking to your life through the lives of the characters and through his truth in his Word. I bless you with that. I pray. I pray for wise counsel. I pray for surprise meetings with people that love God and listen to him and love you. And I pray that right now, the Lord is even bringing to mind some individuals you need to have a conversation with because they may have perspective. I pray, friends, for the, for the strength to surrender your will. And finally, finally, I pray for you to recognize the fears and expectations of others that are clouding you and you can take off those. If you feel like that you're in this place right now and you're saying, you know what, something resonates with me about wearing Saul's armor, and I've done that most of my life, I just want to pray for you too, and I pray, Lord, that it's never too late to take off the king's armor to wear what is supposed to be ours and Lord as individuals take that off I pray that there is a liberation and a levity and that their souls are filled so much to say oh that was so heavy and you say my burden is light I didn't want you to wear that and now you don't have to wear it anymore and I pray in this moment you begin to feel the Lord place over you the robe of a prince princess well, friends, that's what you are. Meet us in this place, Lord, as we step into discovering your will and direction in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.